It's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman. He's Joel Johnson, certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson & Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel has been published in Forbes and the Wall Street Journal. He's the host of Better Money on WFSB Channel 3 on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sunland in Hartford, Saturday at 7 a.m. in Boston on WCBV. He's an analyst for Fox Business and Fox Connecticut, also the author of six books, including most famously The Money Map, Joe, always a pleasure. Hey, I'm really interested to hear your take on this. So many tech companies have gone public already this year or are about to uh, in the coming months. You've had Lyft, Uber coming soon, Peloton, Pinterest, Zoom. I guess two questions on this for you. One, how wise is it to be investing in tech companies like this? Obviously, we saw couple of decades ago what the dot-com crash looked like for folks. So are we setting ourselves up for something like that again? But secondly, just IPOs in general. Do you like investing in companies when they first start trading, or do you like to wait a while? Well, let's take the first one first, John, which was, do I like tech companies, and how do I feel like investing in initial startup tech companies? It's really hard to say if they're going to do well or not. I mean, look at Facebook. Facebook came out, and I think $38 a share went all the way down to 17 There were all kinds of people suing Goldman Sachs for bringing the company public, and um, they were claiming the company was overpriced. Well, now it's gone from 17 to, I think it's around 180 went up to a high of about $211. Um, so that's a 10 times return since Facebook came public, which has been less than 10 years. So, you know, who would have known? Um, very few people. And, and, and you know, Google, some of these companies, it's it's just very hard when they're right in the startup stages to know if they're going to be home runs or not. So um, I'm definitely not going to poo-poo investing in tech, but you have to be careful because just as many companies, you know, struggle. Look at Snapchat, and um, it's it's a very fickle public. And so some tech companies can do great. Others can really struggle. So I'm not against or for investing in tech companies. I just think, you know, buyer beware. And also make sure you have a diversified portfolio. That's what's important is having a diversified portfolio so that if you put, you know, let's say, well, Zoom just went public recently. Let's say you put, you know, $50,000 in Zoom. Well, make sure that's only... 5 to 10% at the most of your portfolio. Make sure you have enough in other places so that if you lose all that money, it's not going to hurt you. And if you hit the home run and go 5 to 10 times on the investment, it'll just be extra money. But when you look at it that way, then people start to say, well, gee, maybe I should just keep going with a diversified portfolio and not necessarily invest in the tech companies. Now, as far as IPOs, we need to define what investing in an IPO is. Because when you get shares in an IPO, that means you're actually getting shares before they start trading publicly. Um, You're getting the brand new issue shares. And then once you own those shares, it starts trading publicly. So with these tech IPOs, for instance, I think it was, um, I believe it was Zoom, actually. Uh, Zoom, the people got an IPO price, and then the second it started trading, it was up 40%, 50% from that IPO price. It was way up. So you could sold, you could have sold, if you got the initial shares, you could have sold into the market as soon as it started trading for, an, for a fantastic profit. But that's pretty rare. It's pretty rare people of the general public can get IPO shares, um, certainly not you know, smaller clients or average clients. So I don't know. I, I just don't think, John, it makes a lot of sense for us to 
focus too much on this particular topic except to just say it's just a nice informational piece for our listeners. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, buyer beware on the tech shares. You could do really, really well, but you never know when the industry is going to change and, um, and your particular company that you own is going to be out. And also, you know, if you can get, if you are an average investor, if you're an average person of average means and somebody's offering you IPO shares, um, I would probably take a second look because most of the time IPO shares go to very preferred individual clients of brokerage firms or institutions. It almost seems like, and tell me if this is a fair characterization or not, it almost seems like this is the, the sort of sexy stuff that everybody wants to talk about when they find out that you're a financial advisor. But the reality is for what you do, which is retirement planning, it's not really that relevant a conversation. No, no, it's not, it's not relevant at all. Remember, retirement planning is about creating an income stream and protecting your principal. Um, getting reasonable rate of return, yes, and creating an income stream, but it's not about buying Uber when it goes public and making five times your money. That's that's not that's a nice investment um, that's separate from your core money, which needs to be to protect your principal, get a reasonable rate of return, and generate a consistent income stream. And this tech investing in these particular companies doesn't necessarily fall into that category. Now, I'm not anti-tech investing. You know, I like Google. Uh, I own Facebook. I own Google. Uh, I own a number of different companies in a number of different industries. So don't get me wrong here. I'm not anti-tech investing. I just think we need to be realistic. And as you said, John, is it relevant to an individual's retirement planning? Well, speaking of relevance to retirement planning, let's talk about his and hers retirement planning. Working with couples, obviously, you work with a lot of single folks too, divorced people, but we're going to talk right now specifically about some of the issues that couples need to be thinking about as it relates to their retirement planning. Joel, do you find that couples have spent a lot of time talking about retirement plans themselves at home before they come to meet with you? Or do you sometimes get the sense that this is their first conversation ever talking about financial matters right there in your office. Most of the time, it is the first deep and significant conversation they've had regarding long-term financial matters. There's always those conversations that happen in the house of, you know, do we want to take this vacation? Do we want to pay this bill? Should, uh, you know, should our child borrow money to go to school? Should we borrow money personally? How much should we pay for those? Always those type of conversations. But rarely is does a couple come in where there's been an in-depth, significant conversation about long-term investing and long-term financial planning? Even when they're very astute financially, it's just you know two heads getting together and agreeing on things and focusing on the long-range goal and how they're going to get there is pretty rare, which is why even very well-educated couples that are doing a great job saving money typically seek advice. What are some of the things that the average person needs to talk about or the average couple needs to discuss that really has to happen before true retirement planning can happen that maybe the average person hasn't thought about. Well, and those of you that are listening right now, you'll certainly, I think, relate to this. There's two types of things that need to be discussed. One is the hard items, the the concrete items, like how much money do we want in retirement? Where do we want to live? Um, Things of that nature. And those, although not necessarily easy to come to agreement with, they're very concrete. You know, how much income do we want in retirement is a pretty easy question to answer. It's just 
how much do you want to spend? How much do you want to spend every month? Just make a number up. It doesn't have to be realistic. If um, you know, you might just be dreaming, that's okay. Give us a starting point to work with. Where do you want to live? That's a pretty simple question, I think. But there are other items that need to be discussed that are very important, like what are your biggest financial fears? Did anything happen in the past where you feel like you got taken advantage of? Did you ever have an investment where you had certain expectations and they were they turned out to be completely wrong? Did you ever miss out on an opportunity and you hope that that opportunity comes along or something like that opportunity comes along again? It's those types of things that are going to really have just as much effect on the success or failure of a good long-term financial strategy in retirement than those hard items like how much do I want to spend and where do I want to live? What do husbands and wives typically disagree on most often, do you find? I think there's two main things. One is spending. Spending is still a big issue. And I don't think this is a function. This is my theory, but I've been doing this for an awfully long time. I don't think disagreements on spending are a function of how much money somebody has as much as it's a function of the things that two people bring into a marriage. And I use myself as an example all the time. In fact, I talk about this in my new book, People's Retirement Handbook, where Wendy and I came from very different backgrounds. Very, very different backgrounds. My parents were relaxed about money, completely relaxed about money. My dad and mom were in charity work for many, many years, um, you know, 20 years before my dad actually took a job with a publishing company. And so they were just relaxed. They just had a tremendous faith about money and didn't worry a lot about money, had certain goals and dreams and so on. But it was a loose, at least this is what I picked up on, it was kind of a loose relationship with money. Wendy's family, on the other hand, very focused on money, budgeting, we don't have enough, and then almost an attitude towards people that did have money. And so those two backgrounds coming together are going to create different conversations around spending. So now when we can pretty much afford to do whatever we want to do, there still is some of that coming in the background from both myself and Wendy, just to be fair, that influences the discussions we have, even though spending isn't really the issue. So spending is a big one. Uh, Another one is how much to help the kids. And this is a big deal in today's world. You know, 30 or 40 years ago, kids were told they need to earn their own money. If they want to buy something nice, they've got to go earn the money. And that's not the case so much anymore. Most of the time, parents are helping their kids all the way through college and maybe even well into their 20s. And so this creates a lot of areas of of disagreements between husbands and wives. And then when to retire is a big deal because there's a lot of emotional baggage that comes around that. Do you know what you're going to do when all of a sudden um, you're in the same place all the time as couples? Will you have hobbies? Will your life still have significance if you don't work? And so those are the three areas, spending, how much to help the kids, and when to retire that seem to cause the most disagreements. Give us an example, Joel, of a situation where maybe you've helped a couple get on the same page, maybe they weren't seeing eye to eye initially, but you were able to create a plan that they were both happy with. Well, I think I can think of one situation. Actually, this happens an awful lot. But with this particular couple I'm thinking of, one was how much do we want to help out our kids? And there was huge disagreement here where the gentleman thought the kids were old enough to be on their own and the, um, um, the lady wanted to help out the kids um, in a pretty significant way. I don't mean buying you know, presents once in a while. I mean like in a significant way, making house payments and things like that. Huge disagreement there. And I just basically walked through, look, you can do this. You, know, you could afford to do this, but let's put yourself back in at the age that your kids are at now 
and knowing what you know now, would you have wanted somebody to do that for you? And I just let them talk it out. I, I don't, I'm not going to make a judgment. I'm not going to take my um, values and place it on the client. I just want them to talk it out. And they talked it out in such a way where, you know, maybe we'll go through the end of the year and we'll reassess um, continuing to help kids because they were, they were helping the kids. And the mom wanted to keep going and the dad said, no, enough is enough. They need to learn on their own. And if they struggle a little bit, the struggle is good. And so I, I just visited it. I sort of opened up some discussion, but I'm not going to tell them exactly what to do because they could afford to do both both cover their own retirement and also help the kids. Um, the second one was, and, and this got a little interesting, was the amount of risk that was being taken in their portfolio. Like many people, they came in, they'd saved enough money, but they were working with an advisor and they were just taking way more risk than they had to. And the wife was uncomfortable with the amount of risk and the husband was very, very comfortable with the amount of risk and kind of felt good about you know the amount of risk they were taking, like that was some kind of a badge of honor. And and um, I didn't think it was smart to take the amount of risk they were taking, and, and I told them that. First of all, they didn't need to. And, you know, what's the best that can happen? Well, you're okay for retirement, so you take a little bit of risk and you leave a little something extra to your kids. But if you take risk and it goes the wrong way on you, now you have to adjust your retirement. That doesn't seem like a good risk reward, where if things don't work out, I've got to adjust my retirement lifestyle downward. And if things do work out, I'm not going to spend the rewards anyway. And so we had a discussion about that and we de-risked their portfolio. Again, you know, they will do fine without taking more risk. And so why, you know, I like to, I like to quote a friend of mine that says, why keep playing a game you've already won? Why keep playing a game you've already run? They had already won the game, and yet they want to continue to take risk. And so I was able to help them realize that that wasn't necessarily, and it actually brought the couple closer together around that discussion. I just want you to stop and think for a minute. You know, How long have you worked? You've probably been working on this for the last 30 or 40 years, and you've worked hard to advance your career. You've raised your kids. You've gotten them through college in most cases, paid off your debts, or you're moving towards paying off your debts. You've saved and sacrificed. And most likely, if you're listening to me right now, You've spent less than you've earned for a long period of time with the hope that someday you're going to retire. Or you might already be retired. Guess what? That was the hard part. All that savings and so on, you've already done the hard part. The thing is, a lot of people find retirement planning and the process to be very stressful, overwhelming, no fun, um, and that's understandably so. And I'm here to tell you that if you're on the threshold of retirement or with if you're in within the first five years, you've already retired within the first five years of retirement, the hard part's already done. You've got your financial assets built up. You've probably got a good idea of how you want to spend the rest of your life. That does not mean the next phase is just going to take care of itself, though. You've got to make the right decisions. You've got to set yourself up to enjoy the retirement that you've been working for and, like my dad says, that you deserve. Here's the thing. It doesn't have to be that hard. You need a plan, a plan that's designed specifically for you and a plan that you understand and have confidence in. And we can help with that. It won't cost you anything to come in and sit down and talk things through. We're offering a free complimentary consultation for you to come in and figure out all of these things and maybe things that I haven't mentioned that you have questions about. We'll work out the details later, like when we can get together, what you need to bring with you. For now, just reach out, give us a buzz, let us know that you want some help. We call it our Money Map Retirement Plan. It's nice and simple. It's easy. The process is easy. And what you walk away with, what you leave our office with, is a nice, simple plan. Nothing to be intimidated about because, like I said, you know, you've done the hard part. You've saved the money. 
But don't let all that hard work go to waste because you didn't follow through on a few simple steps. So give us a call right now. Set up a time for you to come in and visit. The number to call is one 800 Again, that's 1-800-705-1232. When you come in, you'll get one of my books. I've written a number of books. The two latest ones are The Money Map and The People's Retirement Guide. And so come on in, get your books, and make sure you walk out of here with a money map that's customized to you. 800-705-1232 is the number to call or text, whichever you prefer. 800-705-1232. No cost or obligation to come in for your money map retirement review. Call or text right now. Don't worry, as Joel said, about the details. Don't worry about having your calendar in front of you. We'll work that out later. Right now, while it's on your mind, just reach out. Let us know you'd like that money map retirement review for yourself. We'll connect with you later and nail down the details. 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel, let's open up the mailbag and see what folks have on their minds for you this week. We'll start with Donna. Donna says, my husband and I are getting divorced and deciding how to split up our assets. He'll owe me about $200,000. I could take that from his 401k or just take that amount from cash in our money market account. Which should I choose? Well, this is an easy one, Donna. If it's taking $200,000 worth of the 401k, meaning you would move that money into your own IRA, it's called a quadro, that's how you get the money over there. Taking that 200000 moving it into your name in an IRA, or taking money out of a money market account, you're way better off taking the money out of a money market account because that money's already been taxed. The money in the 401k has not been taxed yet. So as you take it out, you're going to have to pay taxes on it, or someone's going to have to pay the taxes on it. So it's not an equal decision. Uh, the $200,000 in the money market account is worth much more than the $200,000 in the 401k because one is after tax and one is pre-tax. So again, if it's the same 200000 for both choices, definitely take the money market money, Donna. Hopefully Donna's husband is not listening because uh, you just gave her the keys to the mint there. So who knows how that shakes out? But yeah, that's, that seems <laughs> I like something. I didn't think of that, but anyway. That seems like something that uh, maybe his attorney should be on top of. But maybe attorneys don't think through this stuff. Maybe you they know, just see it as equal dollars. Yeah, we had a client recently that went through a divorce, and the attorneys did nothing but get in the way when it came to splitting up the assets. They didn't understand the way different money's taxed. They didn't understand different types of products. You know, these people own some annuities and they thought all annuities were equal. Um, It was just, it it was a mess. We had it all sorted out with the couple. Nice amicable discussion. We had it all sorted out. As soon as the two attorneys got involved, it was a disaster. And so, um, yeah, it's not their job to know. It's their job to protect the interests of their client. But sometimes... um, they don't protect the interests of their clients because of the lack of understanding about different types of investments. All right. How about a question from Charlie? Charlie says, I almost got out of the market before it dropped down in fourth quarter. Now I'm back to where I was before. Should I get out now? Well, Charlie, I'm not going to tell you to get out or get in. Um, We are not involved in market timing here. We're involved in proper asset allocation after a financial plan has been developed and those investments serve the plan. 
So this is not about getting in and out of the market. This is about building a plan and then having those investments, which are basically just tools to build your future life, um, having those tools fit the plan. You wouldn't build a house and not have a plan for the house and just start getting involved in should you buy one hammer or two hammers? Should you buy this brand or that brand? Of course not. It sounds ridiculous when I say it. So you should have a financial plan and that way you don't have to ask these questions about should I get in and out because trying to time the market is a waste of time and sooner or later you're going to be wrong and when you're wrong, you're going to get hurt. All right, last question for you in today's mailbag, Joel, is from Leo who says, I'm embarrassed to ask this question because I know there are people who have actual problems with money that would love to be as fortunate as I've been. But I'm wondering what you do once you're in your 70s and realize you have more money than you'll ever be able to spend. I have three kids, and I guess they'll probably just inherit all of it. But in a weird way, I'm almost sad that I didn't enjoy life a little bit more along the way instead of working so hard to save up all this money that I'll never use myself. Well, Leo, first of all, congratulations. Obviously, you worked hard and you did a good job saving money and you've been financially successful. I would not just leave the money to your kids. I think you need to start thinking about, you know, what message do you want to send to your kids? What type of a legacy do you want to leave? You need proper estate planning. And some people are intimidated by that word estate planning, but the bottom line is you get to decide how your money is spent and what behavior you want to reward and what behavior you don't want to reward. And it's not about you, Leo, being a control freak trying to control your kids. It's just, it's about being smart and maybe even protecting them. Maybe protecting them from a bad marriage, maybe protecting them from a lawsuit if they got into a car accident or if somebody wanted to come in and take advantage of them. And so it's important you have a good estate plan that recognizes your values and you can actually have money set aside that produces a wonderful lifestyle for your kids, even passes on estate tax-free to the next generation, maybe it's your grandkids. It can be worth four times as much as it is today with proper planning or only one times what it is today without the proper planning. So you could really maximize your estate. And I would recommend that you get with a good estate planning attorney. We can go, we can walk through an estate planning process with you. We won't draft the legal documents, but we can certainly get you way down the road to thinking about things because most of our clients are already retired. So Joel, for people who need to think through this kind of stuff, what's your recommendation about the best way to get started? Stop procrastinating and just reach out. Well, come on in and visit with me, you know, visit with the team. Uh, It's easy. You pick up the phone, you make a phone call. The consultation is absolutely complimentary. It's absolutely free. No strings attached. Um, As most of you know, we've been real successful as a firm. We don't need to push anybody. But like Leo, you might have questions about estate planning. Um, You might have questions about how to best take your values and, and pass them on to the next generation. But there's lots of questions. For instance, when should you start Social Security? Do you take the spousal benefit on your pension? Can you really retire now or should you work another year or two? How will you pay for the nursing home? All kinds of questions like that. Are you taking too much risk? One of our mailbag questions was about taking risk and are you paying too much in taxes? All of the questions are just financial noise. Think about it. They're going around in your head. You're not sure what the answers are. They're cluttering up your peace of mind and your ability to enjoy life. But that doesn't mean they're not important. We've got to answer those questions for you, and our process does that. So we want to take all that noise going on, make it into music, answer the questions so that you can have a retirement that's in harmony, uh, just like a great symphony. Uh, It's in harmony, and you have to do that by making a financial plan and answering all those questions that create uncertainty. So reach out to us. 
That's the easy thing. We'll set up a time to get together. We'll build a retirement plan for you. It's called the Money Map. It'll clarify your financial future, let you know where you're in great shape, and let you know where you need to make adjustments. So go ahead, like I said, reach out to us right now while it's on your mind. If you don't do it now, you never will. It's easy to get distracted by all that noise. Don't need to make any big decisions when you come on in. We just want to produce this plan for you. It's nice and simple. You'll get it. Even if you're smart, you'll appreciate all the detail that goes on behind the scenes. But if you just want the bottom line, that's what we specialize in giving people. The bottom line, nice, simple answers. So give us a call. Get your money map. It's customized for you. 1-800-705-1232. Again, 1-800-705-1232. Great opportunity to come in and get that assessment of where you stand and figure out what you need to be doing next with your money. 800-705-1232 is the number to call. That's 800-705-1232. You can call or text. Let us know you'd like some help. We'll work out the details later. 800-705-1232. Remember, when you come in for your visit, you'll also get a copy of one of Joel's books to take with you. 800-705-1232. For Joel Johnson and everybody at Johnson Brunetti, I'm John Stillman, and we'll talk with you next week right here, same time, same place, on Money Wisdom. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.